where all my podcasters at. <laughs> I ch- oh, Michael wasn't on when I said, are you down with OBS? <laughs> I extremely appreciate that joke. I think <laughs> there can't be many people that do. <laughs> Welcome back to the Rad Zone. We're going to change the name of the podcast. I mean, or, or it keeps not. going. <laughs> I have accidentally left it at the top of my notes every week. But was it an accident or was it just fortunate circumstance? Thank you for reminding me that it's probably not an accident, at least in my subconscious. Uh, we're good. We're good. Welcome back. How was your... Uh, I shouldn't do an Irish accent. St. Paddy's Day weekend. I am a little Irish, but not Irish enough to pull off an accent. <laughs> There's a story behind that, but you don't get to know it on this podcast because it's not PG. Yeah, let's, uh, let's not offend people right off the bat. <laughs> Uh, well, I didn't do too much. Uh, a friend did the traditional cooking of a bunch of corned beef and hit, tried his hand at making some soda bread. Ooh. Uh, how, yeah. How does one make, I mean, is it, it's just baking bread, but it's like. Yeah, it's baking bread. Okay. Yep. We he didn't did bake three, our soda bread. He did three different, uh, types of flour uh, and was like, Hey, let's see which one is good. And it turns out the one with bread flour is the good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, the other one, the whole wheat flour was okay, but kind of chewy, and uh, the other one was just not. It was just really crumbly. I think it was like a a vegan flour of some kind. I forget what it was. Were they well-sugared or lightly sugared? Lightly. It wasn't very sugary. We had, we also had a St. Paddy's Day. Michael was here. Yes. Uh, I made some untraditional corned beef by braising it. Instead of boiling it as is normal, or slow cooking it, which is also basically boiling it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just lo- slower. <laughs> right. Yes, much slower. Um. Uh, and put a glaze on it, and that was fun. And uh, we we had two very different soda breads from two different stores because I ran out. I didn't have the juice. I didn't have the juice to, to bake. It also that. takes like forever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a long I don't blame process. you at all. <laughs> well, that thing was braising six hours by itself. So I'm like, I don't have the chops to figure out a second oven and stay in the kitchen making, nah, not bread. And to be clear, I think he bought the corned beef and made the soda bread. So. I see. Uh, staying on the food front, um, my wife and I did something interesting this past weekend. We made sausage. Y'all have done this? Which type of sausage? Breakfast sausage or cased sausage? Uh, Cased sausage. So, uh, like, worst style. Uh, Specifically, we made uh, uh, a kielbasa, um, a, what what they called an Irish sausage, which I'll get into in a minute, and a Italian sausage, which has a little bit of beef blended into it. Would an Irish sausage qualify as a banger? I have no idea. I believe that. Okay. I have to do the research because I believe they're called bangers. What What I will tell you is that the recipe for it involves breadcrumbs and eggs, unlike all the other kinds of sausage that we made. That sounds right. (laughs) So it's like, it's like a meatball, but in a a casing. Well, we made it at least six minutes into the podcast before offending the Irish. (laughs) 
bangers uh, are not from Ireland. Are they are from English. They are from <laughs> yeah, Britain. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I apologize to the country of Ireland. <laughs> we tried. Uh, I will say that if you have never made sausage yourself before, uh, you should do it in this way, wherein we cooked. No, we didn't cook anything. To be clear, we started with 130 pounds of pork and like 25 or 30 pounds of beef and then at the end came out with like uh something close to like 150 or more pounds of sausage it must be closer to 160 because the irish one expanded a lot what 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 does one do with 160 pounds of now let's be clear there were like a bunch of people where do you buy 150 pounds of anything meat related and not go broke yeah it's costco okay second question Uh, where do you store it all your freezer how do you cook it all you don't you cook (laughs) it a little bit at a time oh god uh so so, uh to be fair um this is a friend of the family okay uh, that uh my parents have known for years and years and and i've known growing up for a long time also and they do this like semi-regularly not all the time but every so often Mm mm-hmm um, because obviously you make so much and it just lasts for forever. Freeze it? Uh, yes. Uh, well, we freeze it. I don't know. Some people would say that it's too good to freeze and you should eat it quickly, but those people. I don't we know. I mean, even if you had <laughs> 10 people there, you'd still end up with 15 pounds of sausage. Oh, yeah. We had 10 people there. And uh, 15 yeah, I pounds home, of sausage. I, I took home 16 pounds. So. <laughs> Wow. And that was an unequal <laughs> share. More people took home more than that. A lot of people took home more. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, you know, he bought a case of pork shoulders from Costco. Okay. Uh, and then a bunch of spices and, you know, the various things you need to mix in to make the recipes, uh, you know, fennel seeds and rosemary. And I think they bought like a whole little rosemary plant and we used all of it. Uh, and, you know, breadcrumbs and eggs and all this stuff. And, uh, then we sit down. Uh, everyone brings a chef's knife and a cutting board and you just cut, man, they just give it to you. They're like, here's a whole pork shoulder, cut it into one and a half inch cubes and you oh, just go. No. Yeah. That part actually did not take very long because with like eight people and everyone having knives, you know, you can get to it through it pretty fast. How good was everyone at listening to the one and a half inch cube direction? Eh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the next step after cutting it into cubes as you put it into a grinder yeah so it only has to be small enough to get into the opening in the grinder i see yeah uh obviously we're cutting faster than the grinder can keep up so they have like a big freezer storage you know area for the pounds and pounds and pounds of meat that are not all the way ready to be ground up but are already cut we're just throwing them into trash bags you know and then you're putting them in the freezer and taking the batches out of the freezer and dumping them into the grinder. Uh, and af- so you th- run it through the grinder once, and then once you have kind of a pulpy meat texture, you mixed all the spices and various seeds or whatever goes into the mixture of the sausage. Then you run it through the grinder again. That makes sense. Yep. Yep. Uh, I was told this is- that was the most key step. That's what I was told. Uh, then after running it through the grinder again, you take this sort of mush that comes out and you stick it into a big pan that goes into an extruder and you crank the handle on the extruder with a casing attached to the other end of the pipe and it out comes your, your sausage there. Where, 
Okay, what is the is the casing just literally like you go to a specialty shop and get casing, or is it did he make the casing? You go to a restaurant supply store and buy hog intestine casings. Yes. Oh, made that somehow attached to this machine. They are used for this purpose. Uh, They attach because they are round on the end, and you stretch them out until they fit. I see. Yeah, so the the extruder on the end of the the machine is basically shaped like a like a the tip on a pastry bag. Oh, yes. okay, yeah, yeah. Except right. it's so you, bigger. Yes, it's bigger. It's like sausage sized. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. It, there's a tube coming out of the uh, the end of the other end of the extruder, and on the end of that tube, uh, the casings need to stay wet to stay pliable. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little bowl of water with all the casings that had to be sorted out because they they come in just this tangled pile, uh, and you get them wet and then you know sort of uh separate them like untying a giant knot you know and do you do you do the whole thing where you like twist them so that you're making like five or six sausages each time and then you're twisting them? Uh, How does yeah, that the work? casing is the casing is really long you're oh, making yeah, like one long you're making like eight sausages out of a casing or something it's very very long okay. okay um and the the rule we held to was five cranks of the handle and then you sort of nip it off at the end you don't even really have to tie it or anything you just kind of pull it off and sort of just pinch it with your fingers uh and then you keep going how does this it doesn't fall apart nope once the casing dries it starts to harden up and, and it's good huh yeah it was a very interesting process I, and it took all day we started uh it was in some guy's backyard uh we started around noon and we ended by like six thirty. so it was a it was a whole process beers um, <laughs> uh no beer allowed until the knives get put away that was the rule. That's a good rule. Uh, so once all of the cutting was done, you are going at it with those knives. Yeah, um, it sounds like there's too many adults in the room. <laughs> there, It was all adults. Uh-huh. Um, but it was, you know, it, it, because also then at that point, like there was also scotch and, and like a whole bunch of stuff. They wanted oh. to be safe. I see. Uh, and then, you you know, you take the, uh, the sausage that you create sort of like, hmm. I don't know, make an S out of it and put it into the vacuum seal bag and then take it over to the vacuum sealer, vacuum seal it up and, um, you know, put it in back in the freezer for distribution at the end of the day. Cool. The dude just takes the total cost of all the ingredients, divides it across the number of uh, the total weight of what was made and you pay by pound. It was amazing. I paid like $35 for 16 pounds of sausage. It was great. That's, wow. that's half a day well spent. Exactly. That's how I felt. Um, wow. Really, really fun. Um, I hope the sausage is good. We haven't tried it. <laughs> uh, we cooked like a little bit while we're there. You know, like you get to the end and you only have a piece that's, you know, as long as your hand or something, not quite full sausage length. So they're like, oh, this one's for the grill. Or you get halfway through one tub in the extruder and then the next tub is a different sausage type. So you have one that comes out that's like half and half or something. And those go on the grill. And we cooked up a little bit just so people could taste them. Um but I'm told that they change flavor as they sit for a little bit. Uh, they you know, they the, age a little bit. The recipe needs to set, <laughs> um, according to these people. So That sounds awesome. It was really fun, actually. I also, this past week, actually, uh, did another interesting thing. Uh, there was a, uh, <laughs> a competing podcast came through my town. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> You had a full uh, weekend. How do you... This was on Thursday. Oh, okay. So it actually was shortly after the podcast went up last week. Oh, no. Well, before... Hold on. 
it came out before Star Trek. It did, yeah. Star Trek came out on Friday, everybody. If you haven't seen it or heard it, Subspace Transmissions on WeWereGamers.com or at YouTube. What did we talk about? We talked about uniforms. Uh, uniforms, yeah. It was a yeah. good one. It was a good one. I liked listening to that one. It was good. I uh, reaffirmed my choices after having re-listened to it. I listened to the part, like the first third, and I was like, yeah. We definitely <laughs> are talking about stuff that I still agree with. <laughs> it's funny to listen to stuff that's been in the can a while. Anyway, uh, so which podcast studio did you try to burn down? <laughs> uh, this little outfit Arson's called... not a joke. This it isn't, uh, but this little outfit called National Public Radio uh, had this podcast that they brought through my town. I feel like I've heard of them. Public yeah. funding—they'll never get anything off the ground. It's not even publicly funded, really. <laughs> it all comes from contributions of members and things. It's a very strange system. No one knows how oh. it works. Is it like they have their own version of a, a Patreon or something? I guess. Yeah, uh. I'm not really sure how the model works. Uh, I think they do pledge drives and stuff. It's very confusing. Wow. Um, but this podcast is called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And it is a very funny uh, comedy news podcast. Uh, and also, I mean, they put it on the radio and some stuff. But who listens to the radio? What even is the radio? Um, I think it's the thing in your car that plays podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Your phone. Right. Yeah, th that must be what they were talking about. And anyway, that was a real interesting time and also extremely hilarious. <laughs> so you uh you saw how the sausage was made? Yes, I did. Uh for <laughs> I'm so those, proud of myself. <laughs> that was a very good joke. Okay. Uh for those who have heard it before, it's about an hour long, but the recording takes a little over 2 hours. Ooh. So there's like a good hours worth of jokes and stuff that they just don't ever broadcast. They uh, they actually do filler episodes of unbroadcast material from time to time when they're off for a weekend. I can tell you that even those filler episodes do not contain nearly close to the amount of stuff that is in. Oh the full um, yeah, I'm sure they're they're still just little snippets taken from here and there. Yeah, and it and then at the very end they're like, okay, we have like a couple lines they want us to do another take on, and the guy the guy the host who is, you know, at this point is a consummate professional. He just like launches right into the line, giving a second reading of the same take he was giving before, but you know, now like with better audio or they fix the balance or whatever. And it's just like, he was just right back there. It's like he rapid fires off these lines in like two minutes, just like, Oh, and now for a word from our sponsors from blah, 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 or like, Oh, and this, uh, you know, Oh, that was so funny. So-and-so ha ha. And then like, just like cutting back and forth rapidly between these lines at the end. It's like, Whoa, I'm getting whiplash from over that last hour of him rereading <laughs> the lines. One of the funniest things to do is to watch one of the, well, hold on, let me, let me back up. One of the most fun things to do in Hollywood, uh, is to, watch real professionals do voiceover in the studio because they nail every first take every single time. So, you know, somebody who's been on doing this circuit podcast circuit for how many years has wait, wait been on? Oh God. So many. Oh, I know. So, yeah. I mean, he's ready. He's got the voice. He's got the talent, etc. Uh, and it's really, it's a special thing to watch like a, a talented actor, 
do their voice lines instantly and you're just like, oh, okay, cool. We're, we're done. It's been 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, and if you haven't treated yourself to, I think there's video out there or I think it's video. If it's not video, it's very good audio on YouTube or something of, uh, of Shatner doing voiceover. And he does his, it's like for a commercial or something. And he does the read through of all the lines one time. And it's literally perfect. You, you could not have asked for anything better. And there's this like first time director who's trying to get him to say lines a different way. <laughs> no, oh, it's a God. train wreck. It's awesome. <laughs> this awesome. is like a really inside baseball stuff, but I found it super interesting to see the production happening live and like listening to the, then listening to the podcast, which then came out this past weekend and seeing what they didn't include. Because you know, like it, it's a comedy show primarily, and so like the comedians are making jokes that references jokes that happened earlier and stuff, and you're just like, oh, interesting. That was the one they kept, huh? That's not as funny if you didn't know the joke that they had earlier that they didn't keep. <laughs> it's still funny, but it's like way funnier if you had heard the earlier part, you know? Oh right, yeah, it just lands differently, huh? Yeah, it it was very interesting the whole thing, um, and. You know, there's a part where he flubbed a line in the opening and he called us. He's like, oh, you know, San Francisco, blah, blah, blah. And everyone was like, boo. <laughs> and he was like, okay. <laughs> just like, he just rolled with it and was like, you know, just kept going. And then later, one of the comedians made a joke about not being able to tell the difference between San Diego and San Francisco. <laughs> it was like very funny. Uh, Anyway, I, I highly, highly recommend it if anyone gets a chance to go see them live. They put on a great show, and it's very, very funny. So that was my very busy weekend. Wonderful. You want to uh, take a quick break while we get in a few tidbits of news, newsticles? Oh, I want to know about news. I know, but first, you have to know how you're going to get the news, JJ. AT&T has decided that they want me to get fiber at my house. You don't want this? Well, I have two questions about this. One, I didn't see anyone tearing up my street. True. Yeah. And two, the price of it is very odd for different up and down speeds. Hmm. Would one say... Would say odd... Would one say that maybe it's not quite fiber? Uh, I had a gentleman come knock on our door and tell us AT&T fiber is in our neighborhood. This is this is a, a small news piece because I think a lot of people are going to start to get this notification. Uh, and it's it's kind of, uh, I think, misleading. They they said, oh, no, it's real fiber. It's all the way fiber to, to your house. So I said, that doesn't make any sense to me. You haven't tear, torn up the street. No, no, it's on the telephone pole. Well, I didn't see any AT&T trucks stringing a whole bunch of new cables along the pole for weeks on end and then asking to connect it to my house. Um, well, you know, it, it goes to the house and they've got the nodes ready. Okay, cool. So I'll check it out online. Go online. You can get up to a gig down and that's pretty great. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. I wish I had that. Yeah. Gig down is ridiculous. But as far as I understand fiber, I wanted you guys to correct me if I'm wrong. Shouldn't it have the same up speed? 
So, anything can have any amount of up speed. It's a question of how the fiber is bonded together Mm -hmm. in bundles. And if it is true fiber all the way to your house, there's no reason to limit it. But I'm going to guess it ain't. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And that it maybe is just the AT&T U-verse service that you used to be able to get, which is fiber to the node, and then copper the rest of the line, the rest of the way to your house, and they rebranded it. I'm going to guess they use even more pairs, because they used to use two pairs, and now I'm guessing they're going to use four pairs. I, I have not kept up with the technology, but that sounds plausible. I would be curious to know, but... uh. I don't know if people should fall for it. Yeah, I I don't believe that it is real fiber all the way to your house, especially for the reasons that you outlined of like, no one connected anything to my house. They would have to do that. Fiber is not just like a thing. You can snap your fingers and have it be there at your house. That's not how fiber works. It's You have to lay trenches and cables and stuff right and And it's super not in the telephone it's super not on the telephone poles because fiber is fragile yeah that's what other thing my dude i was gonna ask that right like if a fire if a telephone pole sways or you know like how i mean that stuff's really delicate overall Uh, i mean it it can be produced in such a way that it is not like it's not going to break because of a breeze yeah but I don't think any telecommunications company would take the risk of it breaking easily due to being on a telephone pole that people could crash a car into or whatever. How much money would you lose if that if one pole in the string goes down and all right. the fiber on that thing gets wrecked? Well, yeah, it's not just that, right? Because the pole goes down and it's pulling the, the cable off of the street, um, basically. Right. So that I don't necessarily buy that either Hmm. Uh, i don't know what solution they're using i haven't looked into this uh but you know at&t doesn't have the best track record in these kind of things hey do either of you guys have a uh a 5g phone already i do not did you hear that at&t is is rolling them out to people how is that possible considering 5g is here no because the fcc hasn't even sold off the 5g airspace yet but Andrew, if you look on your phone and you have AT&T, it updated the thing that used to say LTE to now say 5G. Okay, hold on. So that means you have a 5G phone now. No, mine still says LTE. Maybe I don't have good enough signal here. Maybe you don't have a good enough phone to have gotten their sweet update that okay. rebrands their thing as 5G. Well, that's not possible because they haven't sold 5G airspace because it 5G airspace is what a lot of weather stations and stuff use so they're actually kind of going to get bound up in court because a lot of people don't want them to sell that airspace or they're worried that like early warning systems and stuff might get affected (laughs) but no big deal we got to make some more money for at&t i guess let's just auction it off i mean the point is that they are literally rebranding regular 4g stuff as 5g which they did Uh, 3g to 4g too Exactly. So I'm saying AT&T doesn't have the most honest policy and track record here. So let's maybe not always take them at their word. Yeah. And I want to hearken back to last week for my news story this week. Dinosaurs suck. 
Uh-oh. Good thing they're gone. Well, no, yeah. they're coming back. Got them. Remember? Let's Remember last no, week we said they're getting cloned. We're we're five years away. We're five didn't years we all, away. Yeah. Didn't we also read last week that they said, actually, that's not actually happening? We're five years away from knowing the dinosaurs suck. More scientists this week said that dinosaurs didn't roar. And in fact, probably squawked. Why well, can't I mean, we have nice things? <laughs> they're certainly making the dinosaurs less cool by the minute as they discover more things about them. <sighs> Next, you're going to tell me they all had feathers. I liked it back when archaeologists just thought that they had all fallen down on birds. <laughs> oh, this T-Rex must have fallen on a bird. Oh, I mean, this Velociraptor big. must have fallen on a bird. They are big. You can fall on a lot of stuff when you're big. Sure. Michael, hit us with a real news story. Uh, so my real news story is a little more lighthearted, although also about getting something that uh, not getting something that you wanted. Um, so we've, we've talked a little bit about the upcoming detective Pikachu movie. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I don't know if you guys heard much of the rumblings, um, in the interwebs when the movie was still in development, but the fans were very strongly behind a particular casting choice. Danny for DeVito the voice of Pikachu turns out, that they tested with Danny DeVito. Oh, no. They actually ran a test with him when they wow. were trying to figure out who was doing the voice of Pikachu. Did it leak? Um, not yet. Oh, uh, my gosh. Oh, but, I was just about to be so excited. <laughs> um, uh, I'm trying to think of who it was. Um, the the One of the producers, the visual effects producer, that's who it was, um, said that he hopes that at some point after the movie comes out that they can share the tests because they are absolutely hysterical. Okay. I give this a 60% chance if the movie does really well that they we get in like commentary. a or yeah, or like a oh, second okay. audio track. Hire Danny DeVito to do a second audio track for the Blu-ray. Oh my God. It would, I would buy it. <laughs> It'd be the first time I've bought a Blu-ray in a hundred years. Oh my God. How amazing with the, okay. Hey guys, we made a lot of money with this and fans really wanted Danny DeVito and now we're out of theaters. So we don't have to worry about the, the sellability of it, but we'll sell a lot of Blu-rays if we make it a Blu-ray exclusive audio track. Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito does the same lines. I'd be like there on day one at, I've oh not God, been yes. to a DVD launch at Best Buy in 15 years. <laughs> they don't do DVD launches. I think that's how long but it's they, been. They would. <laughs> They would. Maybe, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, oh, wow. That's moi. I moi. gave it. I so give, good. I just, whoever's listening that works, <laughs> I just gave you a million dollar idea. I just had an even better thought. Get Danny DeVito to do the audio track, recolor it to black and white, sell it as a different DVD and call it Pikachu Noir. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real dumb idea. They they shouldn't do that because it would make them too much money. <laughs> <laughs> you also had another thing that you sent us in the text that I want to talk about. Yeah, there was uh there was some Guinness Book of World Records news that St. Uh, Patty's related? Sure, Guinness is in there. <laughs> and it's a thing. 
No, it's a, a man in Texas um, broke the Guinness World Record for the largest video game collection. Okay. And a lot of them all look like they're still sealed. Is that Was that true? I can't remember. So from what I read in the article, some of them are still sealed because he has 20,000 games and there's no way he'll ever play all of them. And some of them are sealed because they're such rare pieces that you would never unbox them. Right. Preserve the collector's value there. Right. You expressed sadness at this. Can you elaborate? Uh, I did a little bit. Um, only because like, I, I am very impressed by the record, like 20,000 video games in a single space as a single private collection is crazy. Um, but at the same time, it's sad to, a little sad to me to see that number, the sheer number of games that will just kind of sit on a shelf unplayed. I don't think there's any guarantee if he didn't buy them that they would get played anyway. Sure, yeah, and that that is the other side of the coin, right? Is that some of these are probably not super popular titles. And actually, I bet a lot, like, especially once you start going back to the history of, you know, older games, you know, from the NES era or before the NES era, sometimes those games were not popular because they were bad. There are plenty of those. Uh, a lot of Atari games fall into that category, I think. Yeah, or like, you know, no one played this weird Intellivision whatever game because it sucked. <laughs> like, see, yeah, it's super rare. There were only like 500 copies known or whatever. It's like, yeah, but it's no fun to play, and that's why no one bought it. Well, and during the 90s PC boom, there's a billion discs of games out there that you can go get for 10 cents on the dollar. Totally. Yep. You know, um, I think that we're entering a cool era uh, in the game cycle of the the lifetime of the art cycle of these types of like things, right? Like games have been out for 30-ish, 30 plus years, I guess, uh, especially in the collectible category, late 80s, I would, I would guess it would be right around the era where you can start to find enough cartridges to make collections out of them, things like that. Where people our age, if they don't preserve or collect these things, they're going to start to be lost to landfills permanently. And there are definitely people aware of that problem and actively working to stop it. Um, I'm going to shout out the Video Game History Foundation. Uh, yeah, good group. You can look up those guys. Uh, I don't think it's like two or three people or something, uh, and they are working to extremely meticulously preserve as many games as they can get their hands on, essentially. Um, you know, including like boxes and all the art associated with the games, the manuals, and like the purest form of the game that they can get. Not just like, oh, you know, I downloaded a pack of a hundred ROMs or whatever, and they have every game in there. No, they they don't trust that because they aren't sure which version of the game it is, right? Like there were 10 printings of that game and all of them might be like very slightly different somehow. And they want to know about each one or which one specifically it came from. So they're really, really good video game history foundation. Check those guys out. 
That's a good shout out. So you, uh, JJ, you reminded me of a, sorry, another article that I saw. Um, and, and this kind of fits in nicely with the, the preservation of a physical game versus the digital copy. Um, there is a game that just came to the switch library called, uh, star tropics. It was an old NES game. I know about that game. Is that it in there? as hell. <laughs> Wait, why yeah, do you say that? That friggin' yo-yo is impossible to hit anyone with, dude. <laughs> game is really hard. Yeah, your hero has a yo-yo as his uh, as his weapon of choice. Is that part of the NES Switch library? If you're a subscriber, it is. Ooh, it I is have part to of the NES Switch library. Um, the problem with the game is that apparently, uh, at one point, you as hold the on, I know what he's going to say. You have to dip the manual in water to read a specific number off to get a passcode to continue on in the game. Yeah, you do. I know that because I rented that game from Blockbuster for a while, and I got completely stuck. Sucked. <laughs> yep. So if you didn't have an original copy of the manual to dip in a glass of water and find this code, there was literally nowhere else for you to find it. What? Yeah. Yep. I resorted to spending like $10 making a phone call to the Nintendo tip line. You did not. <laughs> I think so. Really? I'm pretty sure that was the way I got I had, past it. I had well, forgotten about that that was a thing. Nintendo yep. tip line, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I remember it being extremely expensive and my parents being like, you are paying for this. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> was it? No, Did you beat not. the game? No, because it was a blockbuster rental. Oh, um, man. Also, that game is... I mentioned it was hard, right? The game is really hard. Uh, so, did they build in the code or do you have to go online and find it? For the NES version on the Switch. Um, they apparently patched it in for the Wii store version, but they have not done the same thing yet for the Switch store. Oh, so then like it just enters it automatically for you? You don't have to just go look it up? No, you, you have to know what it is. Um, no, oh, you mean in the, the Wii version? No, it doesn't enter it in automatically, um, but they patched in and else that they patched in, I think, a string of text that gives it to you. Ah. Uh, so, like, that's interesting, too, because now that's not the game, right? They changed it. Sure. You know, like, for archival purposes or whatever, this is now a different, it's like a version 1.2 or whatever. Uh, you know, those Switch, uh, NES Switch library comes with a lot of different, so they have, like, a link to the past in there. And then they have next to it, like, a Link to the Past special or whatever. Um, and the special is, like, gives you a save state where you have everything already. So I don't think they're worried about, like, oh, this is the original presentation very much. Well, but, I mean, they're fundamentally altering the game at that point, though, as opposed to just, like, g giving you a save in, you know, Link to the Past where you have a bunch of stuff already is one thing. Someone just played through the game to that point and then saved it. Yeah. As opposed to this, where they have to alter the game to make a person say a line that says, hey, here's the passcode for whatever when you get stuck. Hmm. So it, it's very interesting to me. Anyway, I, I Star Tropic sucks. Don't play that game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely trying it now. I'm still mad about that stupid yo-yo. I think you're more mad about the tip line than the yo-yo. Mad about both. 
Okay. You will also be mad about the yo-yo after you play it a little bit and learn that, oh, wow, this yo-yo sucks. <laughs> oh, goodness. Goodness. You know what? Didn't suck. Or maybe it did. I don't know. Who's that? Captain Marvel. Ooh, yeah. It was a, it was a good movie. Are we going to do spoiler zone? Or has it not been out long enough? I mean, I'm... I don't care. I'm happy to talk about it, but what do you what do y'all think about the spoiler situation? So I have seen it as well. Um so I think we we leave that to Andy. How much how much of the movie do you want to know about in advance? Spoiler zone for Captain Marvel. We're gonna do like ten minutes. Probably. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll have the wherewithal to cut back in the time here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Uh, Michael was up front. He thought it was good. JJ? Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I would not I would not rank it among my favorite of the Marvel movies, um, but it's not like uh, near the bottom of the Thor 2s and that kind of level of bad. I think that is almost the... I, I gave a, a brief spoiler to Andy yesterday, and I think that is almost the exact wording that I used about it. It is like squarely in the middle. And I think a lot of the problem that I have with the movie comes from how they make the, like, the framing device of it. What do you mean? Where they... Her memory loss, you mean? Yeah, so the movie kind of opens in this weird way with, like, a an event and this amnesia, and then you kind of rediscover her origin that has already happened as after the fact, right? So she's already Captain Marvel, and then she gets amnesia? Well, she's already, like, a super-powered Kree warrior, at the start of the film, essentially. Uh-huh. And you're like, but she's a human. Yeah, how can she be with the Kree? How is she with the Kree? And then you kind of find out as the movie goes how that came to be and what the nature of those powers are and all this other stuff. And then once she figures out who she is, then she's like, but I'm not Kree. And then the movie is over five minutes later. Oh, no. So, like, that framing device that they use is interesting in a way that it's like, oh, it's a mystery. You got to uncover how it works or whatever. But I think it kind of the, – the weirdness of that framing kind of made it off-putting a little bit. It gave you kind of – so, like, you're like, oh, like, what's going on here? This all this, like, is she hallucinating or are these, like, memories or is it dreams or so, – Hold on. So, if she's Cree the whole movie, she doesn't get to be a hero until the last five minutes? Uh, I wouldn't say that. She's definitely doing heroic things. Like, she's a member of this Kree Star Force, uh, and going out on missions, you know, to save, uh, the Kree people, supposedly, and do all these, uh, things for the Kree, uh, and, you know, info, uh, undertake these missions in order to stop the threat of these scrolls. But weren't the Kree uh, the ones in the first couple movies that were, like, trying to mess up Star-Lord and his pals in the first... Matt, yeah. Andrew, you sure paid a lot of attention. That might yeah, benefit well, you if well you watch this movie. I see. Yeah, you might uh, you might see a blast from the Guardians of the Galaxy past. Literally a couple of them, actually. Yep. Uh, and actually, the first one, when the first person popped on screen, I was like, is that supposed to be the same guy? Huh. I'm not sure if it is. And it's like, later in the movie, I'm like, oh, no, yep, yep. Yeah. It's meant to be that guy. Same definitely guy. is. Oh, uh... Uh, whistle, whistle. I can't remember his name. Dang it! No, no. 
Okay. It was like a bit character in Guardians of the Galaxy 1. I and see. then uh, there's another character in Guardians of the Galaxy 1 who was more obvious that it was meant to be the same guy. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, I feel like that's the part that detracted from the movie, but the rest of it was great. I loved the entire... Every single scene where Sam Jackson and Brie Larson were on screen together was wonderful. They they had great chemistry throughout the movie. <laughs> just really good. Just her being like, okay, yeah, sure. Like patting him on the head, essentially being like, uh-huh. Nice job, Earthman. I have to go do some things now. <laughs> yes. Where does this fall in the actual timeline? First. It took place in the 90s. Uh, not first. I, I say first, but I guess Captain America was was first. Uh, yes. Captain America, the first Avenger, is first because it took place in World War II. Yep. This is in the 90s. Okay. Which I think would make it the next in the timeline. That's my understanding. It would be yeah. next. So then she just goes missing through all of the Marvel Universe until they happen to need her for the final no, movie they, in the Marvel they Universe? They kind of explain it. Okay. They tie in and they hint at some other things that might have happened to her too. That's yeah, odd. That, the end credits scene kind of explains what's up with that um, a little bit. And kind of the, the at the end of the movie, they sort of address, she's like, hey, I'm going to go off and do some stuff. It's a big problem. It might take a while. Um, you know, and then she leaves behind a MacGuffin, uh, as you will, uh, and that comes into play then in Infinity War and then at the end of uh, this movie as well. I still think my favorite character is the cat. Yeah. Every yeah, single person Goose. says that. It's Pulling out for Goose. So true. Goose is a good cat. The only good cat, maybe? I was literally about to say you're lying because there's no good cats. That's true. And you know what? Goose isn't a cat either, so it all works out. I'm sorry, Michael, but you're outnumbered. <laughs> I was uh, I was glad to see Coulson back. Yeah, that was a fun cameo. Oh, that's yeah. right because We're he can be alive. Time, it's so. not even a, not even a cameo. Yeah, no, he's he, had like, a, he had a small part. Yeah. Fresh faced. Yeah. Did I they try the, to make him look younger? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that the de aging work that they did on Sam Jackson and to a lesser extent Coulson was surprisingly successful. Yeah. Well, did they just give Sam Jackson two eyes? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Does he leave the film with two eyes? Do you want this spoiler? <laughs> so he does not is the answer. Oh, the way it happens is so good. All yeah. right. At least we had to wait this long for the payoff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They had the long time to think about it. I can't imagine it was bad. Yeah. yeah. I and I think, you know, it was a good – the way it ends and leads into what happens in what is going to be Avengers Endgame uh, should be pretty good. And now that movie's coming out in, you know, a little over a month here. So it, I'm excited. That's close. Two Marvel movies that close together. Right? It comes out at the end of April, right? The hype is so high it kind of doesn't April matter, I don't think. May. Yeah, but sometime in the next month or two. Yeah, pretty sure that's right. Um, but yeah, JJ, I don't know if, if you have the same feeling, but I, I I think one of the best things that I could say about it is that 
it's an origin story that never makes you think, oh, I'm watching another origin story. Yeah, they do a good job of presenting the whole thing as this kind of this mis- the mystery of it all. You're just like, oh, we're going to solve this mystery of where these people went and what was involved in all this. Uh, which definitely makes it more fun to watch than your standard Peter Parker getting bit by a spider or whatever. Right. And uh, it, too, it might also might be my lack of famili- familiarity with Captain Marvel compared to some of the other. Yeah, totally same. Heroes totally same i do not know a lot about captain so it was interesting to me you know, since i did not know a lot about the character then seeing you know this telling of it uh, was pretty interesting there's a couple parts they do a good job of like placing the movie in the 90s via the music and sort of stuff that they see around and you know various references to 90s pop culture and stuff yeah oh the i will say that the the stan lee cameo in this one is well done it's particularly well done Yes, very, very good. So does he have, he has this one, and I guess he probably has one in the next one, and that's it, right? I would think. I guess I don't know how many they film, how far in advance they were filming his stuff. Bummer. Yeah, it was pretty sad. And the opening had a nice tribute to him as well. Yeah, that was really good. Do you guys like anime? I'm known to watch anime sometimes. Same here. Netflix is like really trying to do anime. Like do their own or incorporate existing anime? They're buying up old anime to put on there, but they're also funding new anime. Uh, I guess Castlevania would probably count, right? It's certainly in an anime style. Sure. I don't know if you have been noticing your Netflix account show you slowly that they have been releasing a series of movies called Godzilla. I have not seen that. I don't know if it has been showing them to me, but that sounds like something I'd be interested in. Would you like to watch a movie about Godzilla in the far-flung future? Is this Mecha Space Godzilla? Oh, there's definitely a Mecha Godzilla in it. Well... Oh, is there Mothra, though? Isn't Mothra a big deal in Godzilla? I guess I don't know. There's a kind of a Mothra. Mothra. Yes. I'm going to just say yes. Okay. All right. So did you watch this? I have slowly been watching these films. (laughs) I have more than one film. There are three films. Oh, my. They are an hour and a half each. Oh, it's like, okay. Wow. Humanity uh, does the thing where we set off too many nukes, you know, and Godzilla comes. Why do we always do that? Well, uh, Japan has a very particular culture related to nuclear weapons and Godzilla, and that will not change. No, that was my... Humans are dumb. That was my point. Okay. Uh, They try to go into further, not just the standard backstory that he has of, hey, you shouldn't set off nuclear bombs. Um, into like, hey, actually, we just ruined the whole planet, you know? And uh, Godzilla is the revenge that the planet took on us or oh. nature took on okay. us or whatever. Uh, so it's mov- a little bit more like the original movie, right? Sure, yeah, kind of. He comes and destroys Tokyo because man's hubris to deal with this atomic stuff. Yes, so much more in the 
a global scale of you're ruining the planet also. Um, But the movie does not open with that. The movie opens in space with everyone. is not on the planet. uh, Nope. With everyone in spacesuits. And uh, they are launching their old people into space because they don't have enough resources. Because the entire human race is on a spaceship. So it's like a modern day putting your ancestors out on the ice flow? I I guess so. Would you say that this is some kind of like a post-apocalyptic Noah's Ark? <laughs> y- yeah. Um, you know, a little bit of spoilers here if you care. But there are aliens as well. So it was hard. Oh, sure. Yeah, why not? It was hard to pick up on this initially, which is why I mention it. Because until about halfway through the first movie, you just think that when they call people certain things that they're talking about, like different races or factions of people, because you're in the future. And then you get further into it and you're like, oh, they're aliens. (laughs) And the idea is they have to try and find a planet for us to live on, right? And they've been at it too long. So they're going to go back to Earth. So they made this spaceship and put every human on it. And then they're just like giving up. Basically, they look too long, they're running out of resources, and they're going to go back to Earth. And if Godzilla is still there, they're going to take him on because they have future weapons now. That's okay. That's the premise. <laughs> I was going to say, is, is the moral of this story that in space no one can hear you squawk? Are we oh. doing dinosaurs again? He's kind of a dinosaur. I can, Godzilla. He, you know, I have to say the animation for Godzilla is not the selling point of this movie. They didn't do the most important thing? The most important thing in the film is animated very poorly. Come on, people. <laughs> very, very poorly. You had one thing. <laughs> he is a blah. It looks like he kind of looks like a turd. No. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. The rest of it is actually animated very well, I have to say. Um there's, well, I mean, I guess that's good, because apparently they spend most of the time there. Somewhere in there, in, I think, the second movie, they end up with, like, Gundams. Hey, I like Gundams. Yep. Okay. Uh-huh. There's Gundams. There's... I don't want to spoil too much of it, in case you do want to watch this, but, like... It gets weird. <laughs> it gets real weird. And they don't really stick the landing on much of any of it. <laughs> uh they sure had a lot of ideas though sometimes having ideas is all you need <laughs> when it comes budget. to anime that's why i ask if you like anime right mm-hmm. like with a capital a sure right because this qualifies i think uh the main character does a lot of screaming about things oh yeah uh, and oh. do they win with the power of friendship in the end? That's usually how I know that it's anime. Oh, no, 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 buddy. It's it's anime, anime. You're, at the end, did they win? Oh, yes. Uh, or did yeah. we all lose? Right. Also, by uh, yeah, I'm going to throw this out there, along with the whole, like, I couldn't tell they were aliens until they told me specifically they were aliens. Uh, there's a main character in there that is a man, not a woman. Oh, that's definitely anime. Yeah. Hey, do y'all know that Frieza in Dragon Ball Z is not a woman? I 
Yeah, figured that out much later. I, I did. Yep. Yeah, I, I also learned it much much after the fact. But it took At me three and a half hours to figure out that that one character was a man, not a woman. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, man. Anime be like that. <laughs> I, not that there's anything wrong with that. I was just like, oh, no. Okay. The- I thought that this whole time there was a different dynamic between these people because one was a man and one was a woman, but not, not true. Anyway. Uh, I don't want to, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It's super I, weird. There's a you really, know, so- you should watch the first one cause there's a good twist at the end of it. Okay. <laughs> because they knew they were you getting two more, you know, you didn't do a good job of selling me on it though. So like, <laughs> mm. do you, what if Mothra was a race of people and not a Mothra monster? What? I, does that make you interested in this? <laughs> they were just throwing ideas at the wall. Just, I don't, yeah, it's always like, what if? How do I sell it? What if Mechagodzilla was made out of living metal? And a Gundam? What if you hacked off pieces of Mechagodzilla and made a Gundam out of them? Wow. I don't know even how... Okay. What if the Earth was alone so long with Godzilla that every animal on the planet evolved as a miniature Godzilla. I don't think that's how evolution works, but I mean, (laughs) okay. Yeah. Definitely had some ideas is what you're saying. Yeah. There's a lot of movie. This three movies have a lot of anime in them. And by the third movie, my eyes were just open because I could not fathom where else where they were going with this. What if everyone was telepathic except for you? Wow. (laughs) Okay. What if if the only way you could kill Godzilla was with a trans-dimensional monster that would destroy the whole universe? That doesn't seem worth it, but I guess I'm not. I I don't know. I might make alternative plans. (laughs) I feel like I would try nukes first. Uh Uh-huh. It's weird because the whole thing then takes place in Japan. <laughs> it's in space, though. Japan, space isn't Japan. Well, does it stay? It, mm, not a lot happens in space. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sometimes that's just all you can do. You know, uh, there's a terrible movie that I like that's called D-War. And if anyone has ever seen that, you know why I'm referencing it. Because a bunch of stuff happens in that movie, <laughs> and I, no one could tell you why. And it sim- sounds like this is pretty similar uh, in that they want, they had a bunch of cool ideas for some visual effects shots. So they did that, and then they were like, how can we make a movie that connects these? Sounds like maybe something similar happened here. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. This is definitely written. And they animated what was written. But certain cer- certain times in your career, you probably have been in this position where your boss tells you this is exactly the way that you, you need to do it or they want it done. And you're just uh, like, you put at the top of the header of that email, Bill told me this is what you need. Yeah. Right. Right? And then they submitted it to Netflix and here we go. <laughs> We're here with three Godzilla movies. I can't say that I feel like I wasted my time. As an enthusiast of bad movies, that's okay. As an enthusiast of things that are anime, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not everything is art. All right. Well, as we're waiting for 
Evangelion? Is that what we're waiting on? Yes. What other anime should people tell us to watch, and where should it go? The anime, if you want to recommend some titles to us, uh, that's going to be podcast at weweregamers.com. We will definitely read those because we absolutely are going to watch Evangelion when it comes out on Netflix. Uh, but also, we are on YouTube. Uh, YouTube, you know, search We Were Gamers on there. Hit that subscribe. Follow us. We're happy to uh, upload the podcast on there every week. You can check them out. The sweet sub pods are even divided out uh, for you that want to watch the Star or the Star Trek ones and the component class stuff. So please hit that up. Uh, also at We Were Gamers on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, follow us on all those places and on Facebook too. So nice. <laughs>